I ain't afraid of nostalgia. In honor of Ghostbusters Afterlife, what cinema's most traumatizing ghost? Uh, I'm Katie Rich and Misha Barton uh, throwing up in the sixth sense. That'll, that'll stick with you. I'm at Patches. I'm going to go with that ghost who helps that lady shape her clay pot in ghost. Ugh, don't touch me. <laughs> hey, it's me, David the Seven, and I'm taking the skinless, rotting bathtub lady in The Shining. I'm David Ehrlich, and I thought I heard my child crying when Dave was asking the question, so I'll admit that I don't know what it was, but inferring from the answers and working backwards, I'm going to go with um, uh, the ghost from a ghost story. Gentlemen, you can't fight in here. This is the war room. Fine, I can hear you now, Dimitri. Clear and plain and coming through fine. I'm coming through fine too, eh? Good, then. Well, then, as you say, we're both coming through fine. Good. Well, it's good that you're fine, then, and I'm fine. I agree with you. It's great to be fine. It's, it's a podcast. podcast. Hello, and welcome to Fighting in the War Room. It's episode 374. It's pandemic 87. It is the week of Wednesday, November 17th. That is the day that in 2008, the first Twilight movie uh, starring some people wow. we've talked about in the, in, in the intervening years, named Kristen Stewart and Robert Pattinson. It open. You know what this, this mm-hmm. prompt is making me think of? Do you think that Twilight is a more culturally significant and important to cinema franchise than the Harry Potter movies because of the cast. Hmm. Robert Pattinson's also in Harry Potter. I mean, aren't you just talking about mm-hmm. like an American version and a British version? Because both of them had like large cast. No, but I'm but saying the Twilight, Harry Potter movie wasn't Twilight gave Ameri- us Stewart and Robert Pattinson, and Harry Potter yes. gave us like Radcliffe and Emma Watson. And it's it's not exactly. I mean, it didn't really help. Twilight had better actors, but like I think Harry Potter had a much bigger. Twilight had better actors than the Harry Potter. No, that like better actors that they discovered, not like (laughs) Magnus Smith. Come on. Uh, you give pound for pound Daniel and Radcliffe and Emma Watson do not stand up to Kellen Lutz Kellen Lutz can outact Dame Maggie Smith any day of the week <laughs> fuck you Lord Alan uh, well I should say before we start that we said we were going to have a quarter call in two weeks. We're not. We're not doing it yet. <laughs> we were so happy for ourselves and we proud so, that we were actually going to hit the so date close. that we wanted to hit. And we're not going to. We were so but close. Back in the decimal episode. on Dave Seven. <laughs> he fucked it uh, up. What? We'll, yep, we'll get there. That, uh, it was me. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, sure. yeah, that happened. Before 2021 is finished, we will record it. So stay tuned. Go catch up. On your movies from the 2010-2011 period, and what, uh, we'll what see are those four movies there. for reference that people can uh, catch up? Those on. four mo- those four movies are 127 <laughs> Hours, Limitless, Water for Elephants, and Super Eight. That's just a dire <laughs> a dire. Why do we do what we do? <laughs> Everyone's Someone so sad we're pushing they, that back. Does anyone does anyone Someone. care about the show enough out there in the world to watch even two of those four movies? I'm curious. If if that's you, please leave us a review. Let us know that you're that's out there. True. Um just so we can send you uh, our thoughts and prayers. Tw- Someone tweeted and asked us to revisit Amazing Spider-Man 2 for how much we all hated it at the time. Whoa, 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 whoa. That, that is revisionist history. Some of us like oh, Amazing is it? Spider-Man 2. I literally don't. Yeah, I mean, it's basically like the the core of Patch's personality in terms of liking goofy (laughs) ass. Spider Man (laughs) is my Anna. That that movie was like the the skeleton key of of musicians. (laughs) That movie is like the skeleton key of knowing that Matt Patches would like Warcraft. It's, it's, I do remember watching that do that like band played the week before I got married. It was like the last thing I did in New York before I went to go get wow. married. Uh, I was seeing thing. all of those musicians playing like the loudest music in the world. If anybody does want to revisit Amazing Spider-Man 2 but not revisit Amazing Spider-Man 2, I was enough into that movie that I have made an alternate cut of it uh, where what? Gwen Stacy Gwen Stacy just gets to go to college and there is the no hair. Oh, there is no Green Goblin too. She pulls a Kingo. I, I, and just I removed out. him and I've just removed him what? entirely. From, well, no, she's like, I'm going to go to college, and Peter's like sad, but she just this goes is the to worst college. decision since Stallone removed the robot from Rocky Four. It's Why only an hour long Goblin? because it's the the he, rest. He of says, Spider-Man I need your blood. 
I need your yeah, blood, yeah. Peter. Yeah, wow. all so the great we parts. Did left wind the movie. up revisiting Amazing Spider-Man too. Just... <laughs> See, maybe we. That's all it takes. It. That's all it takes. <laughs> all right. In the meantime, did anyone leave us a review? <laughs> <isn't asking> us <laughs> to... <laughs> they right definitely will it. now. We have one review. It's from oh. Cryptozoology Fan eighty nine. They say there may be an entire galaxy of heroes. Dot 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 but it only takes one to keep us from hearing about them. Was that too inscrutable? Mm. Maybe. Anyway, <laughs> oh, keep up the good work. Good. Very, I don't think it was, it was scrutable. Uh, it was also a very helpful review. Thank you, Cryptozoology Fan 89 If you would like to join in their crusade in preventing us, stopping us from talking stopping about s- Star Wars someone. Galaxy of Heroes during this segment, please go on. Or if you've, re- <laughs> if you've recently watched Water for Elephants yes. and are mad. Uh, yeah, no, we I still, mean, we will still talk about it. Your time was not wasted. <laughs> yeah, so uh, so please uh, follow Cryptozoology Fan 89's lead. Uh, if you don't know what they're talking about, go back a couple episodes, really any of the past 10 episodes or so, maybe more, and you can understand the looming threat that hangs over you all if we do not receive fresh reviews at the start of our episodes. You don't want that to happen. We'll read them live on the Basically show. It's great fun fam- for everyone. Like iTunes fighting in the war room. Fresh reviews. Youthful reviews. This. This the week that Dash Rendar is coming back, and I can't talk about it. Wait, really? I don't know what that is. Wait, I never, never mind. I did not ask that question. <laughs> <laughs> wow, you, you fell on. right into a classic trap. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I've been driving around in my car listening to uh, Red Taylor's version a lot to the point that uh, one of my children has started requesting we are never getting back together in the mm, car. Which oh, wow. What a banger. Good parenting. Pretty good banger. Um, I do remember this album from us being friends at this time because I remember David singing along to I Knew You Were Trouble a lot. And uh, that video with the goats bleeding oh, in the middle of it. <laughs> that's, that's, that's not what we're here to talk about. We're here to talk about all it's, too that well. That video is always and, the subtext of what we're talking about, though. I think it's it. Is it the goats bleeding yes. through <laughs> the right your trouble? Uh, more like screaming, really. Anyway, uh, she recorded a 10-minute version of All Too Well, which she said uh, was written back in 2012, although it's maybe up for debate about whether or not there was a fuck the patriarchy. Are you e-chain. calling it's a 2012. Taylor Swift a liar? I'm saying it's possible she updated some lyrics on her way to re-recording it in 2021. I think she bends the truth to click into good narratives. Yeah, I think that's okay. Uh Um, And then there's a movie that goes with it, which is her directorial debut. It is a short film, which is also a music video. I don't know. I don't know what the difference is between I don't really care. It does feel a little (laughs) bit... It does feel a little bit strange to label this her directorial debut because she has made several of her music videos and she did make a... Feature-length documentary. It was like a performance doc that she directed last year that was on Apple TV+. Plus. She does not get a... And, oh, really? I mean, she, she does. And, oh, on that? Oh, well. oh she, is the, she is the director. Uh, and this is wait, also... Is, is that, wait, that's not the one that's on Disney+. Plus. Sorry, the, the one that is on Disney+. Plus. Uh, who can keep these fucking streaming okay. platforms straight? But yes. Yeah, um, I don't know, man. And, uh, and yeah, I mean, it's also, you know, a generous description of the all-too-well whatever this is, to call it a short film. I mean, it's a short film, but it's also sure. a music video. It's an arbitrary distinction. Yep. But anyway, I take issue with this being her directorial debut. Okay, fine. Noted. What, is, what is less important is <laughs> we are here to just talk about the song itself, the excavation of decade-old history. Uh, like As a short film and or music video, it's fine. It's got these very nice-looking young people named Sadie Sink and Dylan O'Brien. Yes. Dylan O'Brien having a great moment between your enthusiasm. Yeah, between this and his still curb your enthusiasm. He's he's just like three weeks ago, I was talking to Joanna Robinson, being like, Dylan O'Brien isn't doing anything, and I was so wrong. (laughs) You really were. What are you talking about? He was was in that Mark Wahlberg uh, Paramount Plus movie. You guys are also forgetting, Mm -hmm. most importantly, that Dylan O'Brien was in Katz's Deli standing next to me at the Uncut Gems after party. Uh, legendary event where he ordered a drink that came back and was the size of his entire upper body 
and looked at me and we shared a laugh and went our separate ways. Wow. Uh, my question is how you would recognize him in a public setting because he looks like anybody. Uh, no, like, no, no, no. Are you a Jonas brother? First yeah, of all, like, he looks like the star of the Maze Runner trilogy, a series that I know inside and out mm-hmm. I've seen many times because he was Those the star are good. of the fucking Maze Runner trilogy, Katie. Show he some was welcome to the Scorch. respect. He survived the Scorch trials. Did you? No. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> He's very Edward, popular, though. He was on Team He also Wolf. barely survived the... Yeah, he barely survived and the Scorch trials. And he must trials. have... Like, yeah. Had he a horrible injury like, on some set. abiding... There is a subset of movie celebrity who follows film critics on the internet like the people who i don't know that maybe they maybe there was a nice comment at some point or maybe they just like actually for the most part this is what i found they the people who like give a shit about movies as an art form beyond just the commerce of making them and he's one of those so i respect that i have to say the only thing i've ever seen that he's in is the internship so mm-hmm. this is google I, 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 we I, have I, rules is, sorry is that who he <laughs> that's is that's an iconic internship? line from the internship Oh wait, no! I was thinking of Nancy Myers, the intern. I never saw the internship. Yeah, yeah I was going to say. I think Max Mandela. <laughs> Max Mandela was in the internship. Uh, now, and Dylan so, uh, O'Brien would have been never too young. Well, how the interesting thing about this short, short film? Short film. <laughs> <laughs> Is she a uh, great director? <laughs> well, I no, I, no, no. no. Well, not but yet. here's the thing. Not yet. This is sure. this is this is what I want for the music video. You know, like I just came off of. Yeah, I kind of. Okay. Because, like, you, you want people to, you know, cut their teeth. You want independent artists to, like, get their uh, music out there. But this is not the place to do either, either of those things anymore. The music video as a short film on its own is something that is reserved, like it was for Michael Jackson, for the obscenely popular already. You know, we're not going to have a breakout 12-minute music video for somebody you've never heard of. So, if you're going to exercise that... Like we're getting an exercise in uh, song rights by uh, Taylor Swift re-recording all her old material. Why not do something like this? I think this is really sweet. I think it, it just barely manages to add an extra layer to the song with its final scene. Um, I am really interested to see if the scarf shows up in whatever music video three is, since we got music video two earlier today. Uh, and it looks like with it might Miles have a Teller. scarf runner. With Miles Teller, that's a fun one too. But that one's directed by Blake Lively, and that, this I think is her debut, as far as I could tell. She um, directed a simple plan. Um, Not a simple plan. I mean, she didn't direct the the movie. She didn't direct the movie that I'm jokingly <laughs> referencing either. But uh, she certainly didn't direct a simple plan. <laughs> she's actually she ten years. She is ten plan. years old. And, oh, uh, directed that film. She's, Wait, she's Billy Bob Amy's side hustle. Yeah. What was the name of that incredible movie she made with Anna Kendrick? It, simple favor. Simple yeah. favor. Yeah, oh, simple favor. Anyway, um, I I like this because it does the same thing that this type of ballad uh, does on a album, or at least did when I was a teenager. Put you sleep. Which is generic. What? Yeah. It, no, it genericizes ah. the entire romantic experience. It genericizes the entire That's romantic experience. It could be about anybody. These are experience. The 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 film stops in the middle to let them have an argument. And they have one of the most generic arguments that you will have, whether or not your relationship is good or not. I will, I, I will say that scene where they're in the kitchen is word for word arguments that I've had in my in my life. I'll give her that. Yeah, yeah. This, I is, saw, this I is the saw, thing. I saw that. I, I was going to say I saw someone on the internet. David. It was going. Yeah. What was that? Go, David. It was going around Twitter and people being like, "This is bullshit" because like it's not that eloquent but yes it is exactly like oh those arguments you have where you've been arguing over something for so long you're then arguing about the argument itself and you yeah. just want to go to bed that yeah that's like why familiar. are we talking about this why are we doing this why is this happening i feel yeah. like i uh, that that shook me i'll give it so yeah, that I, like I, for, I was just gonna you were what, shook i, I was yeah, gonna I was shook. echo what katie was saying just be like yeah i mean i saw people dragging that scene on the internet and like is it fucking pinter no but like it is, uh, in broad strokes, a conversation that anyone who has been in a uh, long-term relationship with someone, which I don't know if, you know, Taylor Swift's relationship with Jake Gyllenhaal qualifies for the distinction, but whatever. <laughs> yeah. Um, but the, uh, the, yeah, would recognize sort of the, the beats of that fight. Um, and I yes. was like, yeah, and they're pulling it off. I mean, like, they're, it's not rocket science. That's the only scene in the, the whole thing that really kind of works for me. It's interesting to see this 
someone who well, there's not really any other scenes it's just like it's all montage yeah no yeah, yeah. right the, the the song is like telling you what you're seeing it really it reminds like, me of dancing by the video. fridge yeah, yeah i left my yes. scarf at your sister's house i guess yeah. yeah it's just not i think she's done more creative music videos i i see i i will always click and watch a, a taylor swift music video because i think she has vision she really wants to be part of every aspect of her creative projects and from these big extravagant music videos she done where it's like, we're going to build an entire neighborhood on a soundstage and I'm going to dance with every gay man I've ever met. Or like, I'm going to dress as a man <laughs> and I'm like, going to put like, I'm going to live out a fantasy. I think as a director, I, I, I hope that she come becomes some sort of like Tim Burton esque dreamer in her future you're, you're work. Like- you're because like three remake remake albums away from that even being possible. Like this is such a red music video. And it so is, the, and and that's what's interesting. One. It really feels like the watching an eighteen year old make a movie. Dun, dun, dun. It really feels like thing. watching a film school. Like this is what we're not supposed uh-huh. to do in front of other people. Like you can go make this, but just because you shot it on thirty five and it has the rounded edges of the frame doesn't mean it's worth a damn. It's actually really bad. Um, but I get getting it out of your system. <laughs> this from the man who loves I, Warcraft. I mean, I, I think do. It's, I it's mean, Taylor Swift interesting... would make a killer Warcraft movie. <laughs> she'd make an interesting. <laughs> she'd make a wonderful Galdun or whatever the fuck his name is. <laughs> I, was say, <laughs> I wish My Taylor. Child. Would, I Don. wish Taylor would date Gudan. Uh, <laughs> I, I think they'd be an item. I think they could have a lot of. Uh, spark uh, I think she's spoken for now. But I mean, I I do appreciate this whole endeavor as sort of you know, in the music video acknowledges as the act of a more fully grown woman looking back and like revisiting that period of her life when everything was a little bit fresher and intense and of course there's the age difference between her and the the jake gyllenhaal stand-in in this music video and reckoning with that now that she is the age that he was and they were dating or closer to it and like that's all that's all fun and games i do i mean i do question and we all know David. i i love i love taylor swift I love yeah. Taylor Swift. I do think she's a great storyteller. Uh, I think she's genius. And I think that um, for for the older Brooklyn dad contingent of her fans, the idea of her revisiting an album like Red as, um, you know, intensely uh, and retroactively as she's doing here was not going to be my cup of tea. It was always going to, I mean, I love the album, but the whole project around it and the conversation it stirs up is not what I care for about Taylor Swift. And that's fine. But, um, it is like there was some interview she was doing when she was talking about how she doesn't really think about what the guys she wrote songs about um, care or how they feel about, re- you know, especially the Jake Gyllenhaal in this situation, revisiting the song and turning uh, his name into sort of a, a, an epithet on the internet. And I don't know how I feel about that. I mean, maybe I don't know anything mm-hmm. about the relationship. Most of us don't. I mean, there are paparazzi photos, and uh, that's about as far as it goes. And who knows what the dynamic was? I mean, I, I trust that there's a lot of truth in the song that she wrote here, um, and you can infer you know whatever you want from that. But like, I we don't know if she talked to him recently, if they uh, had a conversation. See, you're, like, I don't know. But like, it does going feel in the con- it does feel a little. It makes me a little uncomfortable, you know, short of him committing some sort of grievous crime to to knowing the power that she wields. And the conversation that this would kick up and the millions upon millions of people on the internet, you know, calling for his head in a pike, it it would make me a little more comfortable if I knew a little bit more about it. Yeah, why are we trying to undermine the release of Ambulance? Like, let Ambulance <laughs> be a great film I, Listen, this, Maggie is implicated in this song and she's an Oscar movie out now. I really think she needs to think about the consequences here. The, the filmmaking, <laughs> I mean, gets... you know, all due respect to Taylor Swift, but the filmmaking in The Lost Daughter is superior to that which we see in the uh, <laughs> yeah. all-too-well uh, yeah, short film. I, think, think that's I haven't acceptable. seen it, but I guess that's fair. I have the exact opposite reaction. This makes me so much less interested in Taylor Swift and more interested in the actual piece of music. Like I was saying, it's it genericizes it. To make it, uh, everybody has this love story thing, but you move on, and you get to go back, and you get to look at the love story. I'm not looking at Dylan and huh. thinking Jake Gyllenhaal. Well, see, Maybe that's, that's what, what I super always... Fans I'm thinking do. looking at what's Dylan different... maze running. Wait, Dave, what's different... <laughs> what about this 10-minute version of the song is making you feel that way, that the original, now canonized, you know, as, as the best song that Taylor Swift ever wrote? It's actually, actually legend canon it. now, the original. Sure. 
Uh, no, but all too well, the original cut on Red is sort of known in, in some critical circles as sort of like the de facto best Taylor Swift song. And it always had the effect on me that Dave is describing now. But adding six minutes to it, making the short film around it, if anything, makes it less generic. It makes it more specific to the story. It adds in the contours. It brings the context back in, back into it. It makes it less mine or, or anyone who's listening to it in the moment and more this particular story for me. Uh, I mean, there wasn't anything in the film or in the song that really dates it to a, you know, a certain time period, but maybe it's just, you know, the age that I was when Red first came out versus the age I am now. But, like, people should let Red be theirs, and I feel like a lot of what we're talking about is letting Red be Taylor Swift's, and I don't think that's the purpose of the specific album. Uh, or what the project should should necessarily be. So the fact that she casts, you know, Mad Max from Stranger Things as like a younger version of herself and, you know, a Dylan O'Brien coming in um, is a choice as opposed to like the second video where she is Taylor being Taylor up against Miles Teller's <laughs> White Wedding. Out of respect for Taylor Swift, I am not going to watch the Miles Taylor video. Um, <laughs> but the, uh, uh, yeah, I mean... I don't know. I think I think my my I initially had an interest in all these documentaries that people are making the sort of cottage industry around these pop stars. I think of that flotilla of films, there have only really been two real pieces of work, which were Miss Americana and the uh, excellent Billie Eilish documentary by R.J. Cutler, uh, which if you haven't seen is even if you don't give a shit about Billie Eilish is just really one of the best documentaries I've seen this year it's on Apple TV Plus, and the rest have all sort of been dross. Uh, but I also I'm very interested now in these pop stars as potential filmmakers, as visual artists. I think Taylor Swift and Billie Eilish both have a lot of potential to be directors, very different kinds of directors. But uh, as they take command of their their brands, I mean, they are they are very much in control of their brands, those two women in particular. I just um, hope they don't have to feel like they need to be this serious. I mean, the song, guess like well, I guess it calls for it, and and the and the the youth of the album maybe deserved a uh, very youthful film treatment like this, but uh, I, I don't know between maybe this, working with the national and next. work and, and shooting on 35 and just like what the end result of this was. I, it's such like, go the other direction, Taylor, like make why, why go bombastic the other direction? She, she's coming because off this the is not like deeply felt at all. She's coming off. Well, I mean, sure, but she's coming off like the single most artistically accomplished year of her entire life. Uh, I don't know if I would, be pushing her in any direction other than the one that she wants to go in. I, mean, I don't care for those to, other two albums she made. She has to event. I, I mean, it's crazy. she has to eventize these re-releases somehow. Of course, um, I, I mean, of course. I don't begrudge you doing this. I was like some part of my brain. This is very silly, but like some part of my brain broke watching her on SNL and realizing that she was just going to play all ten minutes of it, and this is just going to be like the one musical slot and then being like wait it's like weekend update is starting at like 12 45 <laughs> fuck it's like this is all wrong um, i guess i'm just saying taylor swift could make a better version of red notice that's <laughs> all red, red notice. notice red notice, red notice. Yeah, yeah anyway I, got, I see what you did there I, I i remain more interested in what taylor swift will do next than revisiting what she's already done but she's got to do it at this point so yeah, you know, and for is. all we know, by the time this podcast comes out, there's like three other music videos. Like we don't know. This Starring um, Army Hammer and <laughs> <laughs> Ansel Elgort, yeah. Woody Allen. Ansel, I mean, yeah, boy. Well, Woody Allen directed the Army Hammer one. <laughs> I remember when we broke up the first time, saying this is it. I've had enough, cause like we hadn't seen each other in a month. When you said you needed space, what? Then you come around again and say, "Baby, I miss you, and I swear I'm gonna change." Trust me. Remember how that last. Guess what, guys? Disney Plus Day happened, and instead of being like a streamed live presentation like it was last year. It was more should have been oh. an email as a Twitter thread from Disney Plus. How did you guys celebrate Disney Plus Day this year? I woke up and I'm like, it's already happening because the, I t- opened my Twitter and there's a picture of Hocus Pocus 2 cast and they look pretty good. I'll watch a Hocus Pocus 2. I watched Shang-Chi. I, I liked it. I did it. watch Shang-Chi. I liked yeah. it. It's a good first half of a movie. Then a bunch of like, then they go to mm-hmm. a fantasy land. Yeah, you don't like Wuxia cinema patches? 
it's not enough wuxia cinema. What are you talking about? Like, I mean, there's some of it, but then it's like if you're gonna have a giant dragon that has to kaiju you. Dave, let's talk, talk about, about other the things. Most important investor call this side of Royco. Uh, Disney Plus uh, did a whole bunch of uh, tweeting. There was also uh, a couple of pieces that went up on Disney Plus for Disney Plus Day, which was last Friday, the 12th. Uh, the new Home Alone movie, which I got wow. 45 minutes in before I was like, fuck this. Uh, is yeah. You didn't even get to the part where he set traps. I would imagine. I, didn't, you know, I, I did not. I only got to the premise where I'm like, the kid's the bad guy? I don't know how I what? feel about this. Well, I mean, if he's, he's not the bad guy, but he's stolen a really valuable doll from two people who are just trying to make keep their house for their family. Wow. Seems like the kid's the bad guy to me. Oh, have you not seen yet, any of it yet? No. Oh, okay. It looks I like it was shot on an iPhone. I'm not going to watch this movie. Oh, no, it is. <laughs> it I, I mean, like, I don't... I can't even fathom what they shot on. It I didn't, I didn't conclude it, but it is already in the beginning some of the most impenetrable comedy directing I've ever seen. Where it's like we're literally not on the person who's reacting to the joke <laughs> while the jokes are landing. It's it's very bizarre. A Disney anyway, Plus maybe I'll original. finish hate watching it. Yeah. A launch title. Uh Amy Adams and Patrick Dempsey were excited to announce they've started working on Disenchanted, the sequel to Enchanted, and Enchanted, now on Disney Plus. David, you're excited there for, some for that, right? Disenchanted? Uh, I'm sorry, I was just, uh, actually I shouldn't say what I was just doing on the podcast, um, but uh, I, I am very excited for Disenchanted for several reasons, which I also shouldn't be talking about on the podcast. Uh, lots to discuss in the, in the ad breaks. What? Ad breaks. <laughs> in, the, in the space in between segments. We're going to have a call-in episode soon, so take notes, everybody. Ask David about this in person. <laughs> Uh, we got some clips from Peter Jackson's three-part Beatles Get Back, which is going to be a documentary that looked pretty cool. We heard that uh, the Rescue Rangers movie is going to be coming next spring that has Andy Samberg and John Mulaney uh, voicing the Rescue Rangers. Uh, let me scroll past things that I don't know about. Uh, there's going to be a live-action Pinocchio starring uh, Tom Hanks and Luke Evans. So that, that's an interesting Who announcement plays Pinocchio? that uh, came along. Uh, it does not say in the tweet. So starring Tom Hanks, probably. Cynthia Ervo, Luke Evans, and the voices of Benjamin Evan Ainsworth, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Kegel, Mike and Key, and Lauren Brockville. I hope it's Joseph Gordon-Levitt. It is a Robert Zemeckis uh, li- live action quote I hope he's movie. doing his French accent from, uh, what's it called? The Walk. The Walk. The Walk. Uh-huh. I am Pinocchio. I want to be a real boy. <laughs> Now that Disney owns Fox, uh, gotta resurrect Ice Age for Ice Age Adventures of uh, Buck Wild, I believe it's called. Yeah, that's an egregious movie. I mean, Blue Sky, Disney shut down Blue Sky Studios and I guess went and still made an Ice Age movie with Disney Studios. I I just, it's shocking that they would go and do that. It's Yeah, that's pretty aggressive. Kicking dirt in the face of those people. It's really sad. While we're in the outrage column, they've decided that a... People of Color remake of Cinderella should be called Sneakerella, and they've titled that movie that. Uh, we'll see how that happens when it premieres on uh, February 18th, if uh, Sneakerella is able to uh, dodge around its title. <laughs> Let's see. High School Musical, the musical, the series, season three. Great. Awesome. David's Everybody excited. loves it. Uh, the Spiderwick Chronicles is going to have a live-action original series coming to Disney+. Plus. <laughs> They must have looked at Netflix and Dark Crystal and been like, oh, we want in on that puppet money. They made what a is- movie of the Spider-Man Chronicles I think at some point. They sure did. That's why I know what that is. Why not a Stoker 2, Dave? Mm, why not? Where's uh, Searchlight? I mean, the- many, many people are asking. The most adult announcement that I think we got that was uh, exciting but was still IP-based because it's Disney Plus Day is we're going to get Prey from Dan Trachtenberg, which is a Predator prequel. That takes place in the new world. The new world. Listen, Dan Trachtenberg has, has, <laughs> has made exactly one movie that I thought, and that's it. It's, it's, I mean, it's, it's awesome. Career's one movie, and it's great. And so I am, just to preface what I'm about to say, very excited for really anything that he does from here. But The, the fans are calling it really, Malikian already. Yeah, nothing really uh, saps the, the winds out of your sails. Uh, like Predator movie going to Hulu. That's just. That's, <laughs> that's just, the new world. That's the new world. It, at least it's not the Alien series, which only made it to FX on Hulu. It didn't even get all the way to Hulu by itself. Uh, uh, is that, is that, is that series actually happening? 
Yes, ostensibly. Yeah, it's still happening. Okay. I mean, Did I thought it was like the Patty Jenkins story. Let Katie talk. Katie, happening. what are you think, trying to say about Disney Plus? I think day? David and I are on a delay, maybe. Uh, did we know that the Enchanted <laughs> sequel was always going to go straight to Disney Plus? We did. Yeah. Okay. That just seems like kind of like a womp womp. Yeah, but have you seen Amy Adams' yeah. IMDb page recently? It's a womp womp. Amy Adams <laughs> is struggling. This is going to be an, a womp womp. I mean, womp, womp. she's really good in that role. I'm sure she'll be delightful. Enchanted, the original Enchanted. Guess how much? Guess how much money the original Enchanted made in the United States? I'm gonna say two hundred and ten million dollars. Actually, let's reframe the question. Guess how much Enchanted made worldwide? Six hundred million dollars. That's a, that's way too much. I think three hundred and fifty million dollars. Patches, you're close, but you're over, so you lose. Dave wins by default. It's $340 million. <laughs> oh, uh, man! But oh, damn! I think, I think that, like, yeah, maybe maybe 400 or something would have been the threshold where they would have felt more committed to releasing the sequel. It's been so yeah, long. I mean, also, it's like, fi- it's like 15 years later. Like, I get it. I guess so. It feels like yesterday. <laughs> yeah, Poor yeah. Amy Adams. Sure anyway. She's so uh, Two uh, fun animated projects coming up. It looks like they're going to do Zootopia Plus, which is a bunch of shorts set in Zootopia. So that's just... I'll we'll watch that. That's Zootopia's just Looney Tunes. Show me that's the just sloths. animals living human things. Show me the sloths. Zootopia yeah, yeah. is just like a whole world. Like, you can totally do that. What's, what's yeah, the yeah. Uh, gazelle played by Giselle up to? Exa- now exactly. We, now, we, now we know. Now we'll find out. Uh, we also have... Uh, we got our first look at concept art that's going to be for 2023 series... That is called a long form musical series uh, that will feature Tiana coming back uh, to the Disneyland's and um, from she's Princess gonna and leave the Frog, New York. Yes. Yeah, from the Princess and the Frog. Sorry, I thought everybody just knew she's gonna leave New Orleans and uh, head out on some sort of trip. I don't know what a long form musical series is. Is that like a series of movies? No, is like, it like, I know, like a, I think like a TV show news. that has music. I've been saying for years that Tiana needs to take a trip outside of New Orleans. I feel like she's just been yeah. cooped up there for a while. You have. I mean, not well, on the, the podcast, con- but at bars and just like in life. You yeah. have to be talking about that. Strange the concept art, excitedly, is in 2D. So I'm hoping this is a 2D long-form musical series because Princess and the Frog, as we know, was sort of the Princess and the of, Frog is uh, actually pretty damn good. I, I rewatched that movie with uh, my daughter the other day, and it is gorgeous. But they don't make them like they used to, you know? It ain't yeah. frozen. All right, I'm going to skim over some stuff that are about uh, projects I don't know. Uh, Win or Lose is Pixar's first we knew animated about that. series. Yes, but we now know it's coming in fall 2023 specifically. And then there was virtually no new Star Wars stuff, Yeep. which was surprising for the Star Wars fandom. And they showed some Obi-Wan of- concept art. Darth Vader will be they there. They showed a clip they showed to the investors for Disney Plus uh, investor meetings. It's the Kenobi investors sizzle reel. So it's not new. Everybody's expecting something new because apparently Kenobi's going to be coming up after Book of Boba Fett. But who knows? And then Marvel Studios was like, and just in case you forgot all the things we're doing, here's all the things we're doing. Man, uh, I know, with like some one minute trailers. I know there. it's so old hat to lament the state of things in regards to all the streaming content. But it like, is, yes. Just, just, yeah. And, but just listening to, to the litany of things that they have in the pipeline, it, it just feels like the constant stream of content has just forever taken away the event status of anything. It's just a steady dribble that is always at a low hum and never that's not true. really feels because, like there are any like, peaks Dune or valleys. Dune can come out, and it can feel huge. Well, Dune is kind of the exception these days. I mean, that's not the, the model that Disney's... I mean, I guess they had their Eternals and whatnot, but that's, it seems like the plan they're going for to appease investors and really build these streaming platforms, Disney's plus struggling to grow, uh, as we learned from the... So you want to be more excited same call, for maybe. Disney product. Um, is that what you're saying? Well, it's just like, right before, this, right before we started recording tonight, uh, I was watching, as I do virtually every single night that it's available to me, Titanic on television. And I was just thinking about how, like, it's just kind of unfathomable that there would be something this big on That hasn't gotten screens. a like, sequel like, on Hulu yet. Yeah, and isn't just a, a sequel to something. I mean, I don't know. It's, uh, yeah, I mean, it's like this would be this would be something that you'd be like stream the first two episodes on 
Apple TV Plus on Thursday night, and it would be something you see people tweeting about, and life would move on. It just wouldn't make the same impression. Who put out? Who and put this out is Titanic? The least was that a Fox movie? Realization Fox, in the world, Fox but and like Paramount co-production. It's so they could do that. They could do like a Jack prequel series on who? Yeah, but Titanic also, like, is on Disney Plus, isn't it? How did James Cameron resist the urge to cut back? To those fucking Swedish guys, like halfway through the movie when they're reading wire reports about the Titanic sinking, or the next day, or whatever, um, at the end of the movie, just being like, "Glad, glad I lost that poker hand." Fucking Dick slow rolled me. Now he's dead. <laughs> <laughs> they should do like it a was Rose a weird and Guildenstern. Yeah, they'll the get a show. They'll get a show. It was a weird day of getting a lot of content, but I think uh, Disney Plus has yet to. What was your standout uh, Marvel, Dave? Are you excited for Marvel? Be the uh, be the opposite of David here. Are you hype? I mean, I'm. I, here's the thing. Or are you I'm, dying? I'm hype about. No, no, I'm hype about a lot of things. I uh, encountered for the first time in my friend group uh, people being like. I'm tired. I'm tired of having to have opinions on Marvel things, and I'm like, wow. that is a Marvel opinion. Like, you just don't have to say anything. It's not like we're constantly talking to each other about like fucking Marvel. You guys are asking me. Yeah, Marvel we're time, never like, what, constantly talking. What about happened Marvel. at the end of Eternals? But I mean, the it, the thing is, on I I'm letting up a little bit uh, on the uh, letting people like things slash trying to talk people into things they're not into because the reality is, is I was born in 1984. Started buying comics around like ninety two, ninety three, and this week weekend people are like, can't wait to see more Moon Knight. Like I didn't have a Spider Man movie, I didn't have an X Men movie, I have like a couple of Batman movies and a Superman movie. The state of comic book cinema is fine. The fact that we're as deep as Oscar Isaac Moon Knight already is kind of insane. But like, if these are gonna be the tentpole properties, I'm super happy that they are what they are. Like, I would be more concerned if, like, Marvel had pivoted and d- did a huge, you know, like, Best Picture Eternals push. Like, stay out of that realm. You're the tentpole. Just go be your bo- your your buoy tentpole self. Give me Disenchanted. Give me, like, two Diary of a Wimpy Kid movies that I guess take place in different timelines. <laughs> like, just, just, that's that fine. Like, the Diary of a Wimpy Kid multiverse? <laughs> There's, there's one live action movie and there's one animated movie coming out, I think. They announced them like back to back. I, I thought was those very movies confused. are coming for me way sooner than I think. I'll report back. Those books are so popular. Holy shit. Yeah, they really are. Anyway, and hopefully Disney Plus can do that popularity because the other streaming services like Netflix are finally putting out like some quality movies from like directors and Disney Plus is like, we don't want to go in that direction unless you're Jon Favreau. We want to just make our IP. So you're going to get all the IP. You're going to get a Baymax series, apparently. Whatever. Disney Plus. I like the idea that Jon Favreau is one of the good directors that Disney is Mm. making an exception for. (laughs) Love that idea. Mm -hmm. Um, We love Chef, but everyone else stay out. A few mistakes ago I was in your sights You got me alone You found me You found me You found me I guess you didn't care And I guess So this week, we want to talk about The Harder They Fall, which is now out on Netflix after playing in theaters, after premiering at the London Film Festival. You've probably heard of it. It seems like a, one of the Netflix original movies that people actually talk about and pay attention to, um, partly probably because it's got Idris Elba, Regina King, Lakeith Stanfield, Jonathan Majors, uh, Delroy Lindo, Zazie Beetz, more people who I'm forgetting to name right now, probably. It's a lot of people. It is a um, basically all-Black Western Directed by James Samuel, who's uh, directing music videos. He's made music. He's friends with Jay-Z. He's the brother of Seal. He's friends, uh, with, which... he is friends with Jay-Z. That is, <laughs> it's on his business card. He is, he is Seal's uh, brother, which is amazing. Yes. Uh, yeah. Friend and collaborator of Jay-Z, who uh, puts uh, music on the soundtrack. Um, it's very big and stylish and expensive Western, uh, which is a very historically white genre. It's sort of based in history about the with the real names of real people who lived who were um you know black people who were relative levels of notorious in the old west but it's more or less a fictional story about two rival gangs basically and one of them is sort of the good guys and one of them is sort of the bad guys and they have a lot of gunfights and break out of uh jail and rob banks and hold up trains and all the stuff they need money they need their true loves they need their past resolves they need revenge there's a saloon there's a lot of horses 
Um, it is just kind of, it's a big revisionist Western uh, of the kind that I think but, James Samuel has said a lot. He has really been wanting to make for a long time with black people, which is what he's done. Ahead, yeah. David. I mean, revisionist is sort of uh, a sensitive word here just because obviously, you know, from the soundtrack on down, uh, there are revisionist elements. Um, the, the music in particular is very modern. Um, but at the same time, I mean, a, a big part of the movie and a big part of what it's trying to say or remind people of are that there you know, were an enormous percentage of the people in the Wild West, and we think of it, were black, and then we've just sort of erased them from yes. the right. way Yes, right. The movie opens they, uh, with, these people existed, or something, you know. Yes. yes. Three sentences. And, and that's these why people exist. Yes. And that's why uh, so many of the people it pulls from sort of Avenger style into this from various different points of the 19th century in various different states into this, you know, one area and often on the same team um, were real people, um, were v- real individuals, uh, representative of more real black people in the Wild West. Uh, and so it isn't. I mean, I think part of what I'm trying to say is that it isn't quite as revisionistic as some might assume if they were basing their understanding of what the 19th century was like or looked like just off the Westerns that Hollywood has made. I mean, not that this is by any means the first black Western. Uh, the Criterion Channel recently did a really excellent series devoted to black Westerns, um, which wasn't also comprehensive, but there were a number of really strong ones that gave you an overview of of what um, those movies have been like over the years. but. Uh, I found this a very strong uh, contribution to that subgenre. Um, Dave, what did you think of The Harder They Fall? I like it. It feels sort of like um, like a Quentin Tarantino movie that doesn't know if it's doing references or not. It's just trying to look cool and hit the beats and everything, uh, which I think is fine. Like uh, myself and... I believe the director James Samuel is slightly older than me, so would also would have also grown up with you know the early Tarantino, Robert Rodriguez, you know groups of people doing bad things, but for supposedly just crime reasons. I think that's all over this. It's I don't think it ever gets far enough uh, to really hook me beyond uh, the performances of these characters. The story's not uh, as, uh, I think, taut as it thinks it is, which leads certain parts of it to kind of feel overly long. But even those overly long parts are really stylish. Uh, And there are, you know, tiny little um, flares uh, in set design, like when they visit a certain town that is mostly a white town that's reflected in the design. And then there's a uh, battle that takes place. It's a subtle, subtly reflected in the town's design, would you say? Yeah, that's sarcasm that Dave is using. If you haven't seen the movie yet, you will not miss what I'm talking about. And then there's a fight scene that takes place in a dying factory. So you could have like bursts of colored dust and, you know, like colored water that's used, like having fabrics dyed. I think it's really smart about using all of that. I do think because of its structure, and because of the type of uh, Western it wants to be, it takes some of the characters and flattens their performance until much later in the movie. Or in the case of something like Zazie Beetz, flattens her performance in the beginning of the movie and then kind of holds her at that. Uh, the, the plot has its way with uh, some of these performances, which isn't great. Uh, especially, I think, Idris Elba is sort of a slave to what how cool the script wants him to be. He never gets to be as cool as we want him to be in a particular moment. Or if he does, it's a visual coolness where he gets to walk in slow motion through some carnage. It's not like he does a bunch. There are notable exceptions to everything I'm saying. I, but overall, I enjoyed it as like, uh, like a almost like Boondock Saints for its own sake kind of action movie. It, before I let before I let Pasha talk, um, the the coolness was something that I got stuck on a lot, and you know I watched it and I like revisited parts of it, and it looks amazing. It is so fun from scene to scene to be with these people, but every single one of them has the primary character trait of they're really cool. Like these yeah. people are all extremely cool. They're very and in cool. every scene they're really cool. And in the next scene they're going to be really cool. And even when like something bad happens to them, they're going to be really cool. And that feels flat after a while. I think like it's hard 
to grip into them as actual people. I think Jonathan Majors is an exception to that a lot of the time. I'm like kind of a fan of everything he does anytime he shows up anywhere. And he's kind of this like wounded, like almost like scared figure while also being the leader of this gang. But everyone else is just like, we look great holding a gun and we're going to keep doing that for the entire movie. Did you, Katie, what did you think of the more overtly stylized sequences? Like the, like the train human robbery, I suppose. Uh, it's sort of an interesting <laughs> riff on the classic train heist in westerns where they're actually trying to steal idris elba back from the soldiers that have him prisoner i mean this like every set piece action sequence works that works great like they're really stylish and they move and the performances obviously are doing a ton of work like that there's so much energy behind all of those like nothing ever feels flat in this whole thing i think it's the the accumulation of them where it started to wear on me a little bit I, yeah. I, I don't disagree with anything you said. I just felt like I was most engaged when the movie really went for it. And uh, like mm-hmm. that sequence we were just talking about and when it was, it sort of owned its, you know, more modern flourishes uh, yeah. and the, the boldness of its style. Um, and I, I thought that James Samuel has a really strong command over that stuff, but tends to, I mean, you see it come up here now, like in the white town sequence, but uh, there's a lot of it that sort of plays more down the middle as a as sort of a regular Western, if you will. And those are the moments when I think the movie falls back a little bit more on its thin, not, not I don't want to say thinly drawn in all cases, but not always such rich characters. Um, they're really archetypo- archetypical in a lot of cases. Um, they are, as Katie said, sometimes just sort of posturing for their coolness. And I think when the movie is as cool as they are, it works a lot better. Although I also, like, I had the benefit of seeing this on the big screen at the Paris Theater, and it looked great, but I don't know if there's any genre, and maybe that's not true, but a few genres, I think, have a harder time translating to television, even though it's where that's where I've seen so many of the classic westerns, than westerns do. I mean, there's something about those big sky vistas that really calls for big screen patches. You saw this at home. I did. Point? Yeah. Like and, a and- sucker. You know, I also saw it at home. not to bring it up again and again, but like seeing it in the wake of Red Notice, which I don't know how much this movie costs, but like if Red Notice is the most expensive movie that Netflix has ever made and it just looks like absolute garbage with three inane, like dull, just these three actors are awful. Um, this movie is just pushing every dollar and every bit of charisma to to the max i mean I, it really is endlessly watchable i feel like the way that i used to watch quick and the dead the sam raimi movie over and over and over again just for like certain scenes and and certain set pieces and certain portraiture glances from these beautiful actors i feel like this movie is going to be let's just turn it on to make sure we're, we're watching we have something good on while we do x y and z or have this on in the mm-hmm. background like i wish this movie was made for an HBO that doesn't will not get it served, right? Like, it needs to be on repeat in yeah. forever. Um, and I think it just has, because it can be episodic, it, it falters in that way as just like a sustained viewing experience. It reminds me, of, you know what I thought of the most? Um, Danger Mouse made this album maybe a decade ago. Now, he did this spaghetti western album called Rome. Um, and I thought about it a lot, just trying to take the elements and not remixing, but, um, bringing old and new together and, and when that can spark and when the elements of cinema are really working, the music in this is like finding the perfect cues and finding the perfect angles. I was just really drawn, uh, in by how high, how expensive and polished it looks because of all the right angles and all the right camera moves and uh, the set piece you were talking about on the train. It's not just about things exploding or guns going off at the right time. It's about being on Lakeith Steinfeld at the right time or having a kind of high angle, low angle on Regina King when she's busting the balls of some big burly white guy and uh and taking him down like sorry I just i'm gonna, need, like, I'm gonna so see a beat to get over lakeith lakeith steinfeld which is sorry. uh brother, <laughs> brother of Haley steinfeld lakeith steinfeld is that right Boy. If you what's the deal, deal with all these lakeiths I, I would i would watch a shot for shot remake of seinfeld with lakeith steinfeld oh my god just L- lakeith steinfeld i think lakeith steinfeld had some uh 
uncomfortable. Uh, yeah, we're not getting. I don't know what you want to call it. Yeah, Russians with the the Jewish community in recent months uh, on Clubhouse, and so it just feels like <laughs> conflating the two things in my brain. Anyway, but he's very good here. I, I guess yeah, Dave. To your point, you mentioned that it's like Tarantino esque. I don't think it is. I think it really is Rodriguez esque in a good way. I thought a lot about like Desperado Fair. and just like I wish this movie was just ninety minutes. I guess I just wish it was all of the cool moments bottled up and that it wasn't getting so uh kind of caught up in drama where it doesn't need to be it could be leaner it could be i feel like this there's a version of this movie that's just the showdown at the town at the end where i still understand all the stakes and everything Mm -hmm. and everything's fine we don't get the train sequence to be horrible maybe we get the bank robbing sequence which i think is fantastic yeah like but like all all the lead up to it is a lot of good character work, but that character work doesn't pay off. It pays off with the set piece. So I'm not. And while it was going on, again, no, at no point in this movie did I think like this movie's turning bad. It's just the sum total of it felt kind of lackadaisical. But that's how westerns can be sometimes. Absolutely, I'm okay yeah. with it. Yeah, I mean, uh, and hey, it continues the trend we were talking about earlier, uh, or the trend of this episode of music video directors making. Films. Um, I mean, James yeah. Samuel is a, a, a uh, not just a music video director, sorry, but a musician who has made music videos uh, and now is making films, uh, more narrative bents. Uh, but I, I am all in on uh, James Samuel as a feature-length filmmaker based on this movie. I mean, I think there's style to burn. There's a lot of confidence, a really strong command of the genre. Um, comes at it from a particular point of view. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm also with you guys yeah it's confidence but confidence is an important thing like i don't think this movie gets bogged down in references next week we'll talk a little about cowboy bebop the new uh netflix series that is trying to have certain pastiche and and owes westerns uh, a bit of gratitude uh, kind of but like it's this is not a movie that's like i love the good, the bad, and the ugly, and I'm going to position the camera just like this moment, and like, but it's going to be black yeah. actors. It's not just yeah. remixing old references. It really feels like I've watched all these movies and I've imagined these scenarios that I want to see. It really feels fresh. It doesn't. It doesn't feel cut up from someone's movie knowledge. It, this really feels born from yeah. something pure, and that's I mean, what the I, Rome I, I wonder... connection comes in, where it's like. Uh, Danger Mouse wasn't remixing spaghetti westerns. It was like he hired a composer and they made music uh-huh. together. And that's what this feels like. And, the, you know, James Samuel contributes some original music of his own. He wrote new for this movie to the soundtrack and it all works where it needs to. And I wonder if like, you know, this does not strike me in, by any stretch of the imagination as a man who is lacking confidence. Um, but I wonder if now that he has a feature length film under his belt, if he would be even more inclined to sort of lean harder into his gifts in a second movie. And that might be sort of more rewardingly singular. Yeah. Um, I want him to do like a Jim Cummings thing and just pick another genre and do this, but in that genre. Yeah. But I want him to work with more money than Jim Cummings. I think this is a guy who needs to paint on a big canvas. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean like before COVID delayed this movie, uh, it was who was in it. Uh, Cynthia Ervo was in it. If you're a fan of them or Tony's, uh, Wesley Snipes and Sterling K. Brown were also in it and had to like drop out. And I'm Snipes. assuming I could guess who those, I could guess who those parts were. But yeah, it seems like he's able to bring a whole bunch of A-listers to the right idea. Well, he is but Seal's like, brother after all. <laughs> he seals the yeah. deal. Just don't give him a superhero movie. He could do anything yeah, else. Please. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. I mean, the, uh, this is his Avengers. Let it be that. Yeah. I like that. It feels like it's also just, it, it, it's, it's a dream. It's a dream come true. It feels like a dream come true. It feels like black heroes and, or black anti-heroes. It feels like, I love there's a scene where there's a Chadwick Boseman train <laughs> that drives by. And I'm just like, oh, we're putting, like black Hollywood oh, right that. front and center. It's really cool. Uh, it's, it's, it's cool because everyone in the movie is cool. And it's like, they're all living their dreams. Hearing Regina King talk about this movie in interviews is cool. Like I'm 50 and I get to do action scenes where I'm blasting people away. I'm living my dream. It really feels like everyone is. And uh, it's tangible in the movie. Um, do you guys feel the same way I do that Jonathan Majors is just like, like, 
everything he does, he just lifts up more as like the movie star of the upcoming generation. Like I think about this and Loki basically together and being like, wow, this guy can do both. He's so bad. His, his, in it. Yes. his episode of SNL was bad. Um, I but, didn't watch it. I guess I chose. Is well. that the true that test is, for people? No, I'm just. It's just so fresh in my mind that it was like, and I think I was kind of struck. I mean, it's it's almost never the host's fault. Uh, it didn't seem to be his fault here. It was a weird episode to begin with because of the Taylor Swift of it all. Um, and I guess last week's Kieran Culkin episode was just like so unusually strong that this was always going to feel like a um, a regression. But I I don't know. I'm kind of with Katie. I think that like. You know, from last last Black Band in San Francisco, um, I didn't see any of the fucking Marvel bullshit that he was on. You can I don't even know what show it was, but I'm sure it was terrible. Uh, but what Is else? He Lovecraft Country. <laughs> I saw. I mean, we all we all know how we all feel about Lovecraft Country, but he was good in that. Uh, he was sort of. The I same mean, that's the, everything that you're talking about. He's been incredible in. So I think Katie's right. Like, but what else have I seen him in? That was oh, The Five Bloods. Of course, he's fantastic in The Five, the five Bloods. Bloods. Yeah. Um, but he's also yeah. like the least interesting into Five Bloods. I feel like if that, like, think I think that's the first thing I ever saw him in, and you're because I hadn't seen Last Blackman in San Francisco, and I saw him in that, I was like, oh, he's a handsome guy who is holding his own against this like cast of veterans, and it's only later that I was like, oh no, he can like go like command a room. That's just not what his character in Five Bloods was. No, he he that dude oozes charisma, and he feels like he has a lot of tools in his toolkit and uh that we really just starting to see what those might be i think one interesting test is going to be this upcoming jd dillard film uh jd dillard who made uh slight and sweetheart his new movie is called devotion it's an upcoming american action war drama film uh and jonathan majors is starring alongside joe jonas of course they go together stars Uh, (laughs) iconic duo yeah um and uh he stars major jonathan very good joke and um, <laughs> I mean, uh, and that is coming out next year. Uh, a big war movie. I mean, yeah, I guess you know of a different stripe than *The Five Bloods*. I'm assuming with more combat. Um, so that, that could be an interesting year for him between that and *Quadrophenia*, *Quantumania*, whatever the fuck. <laughs> uh, anyway, I like him. I hope he gets to continue doing interesting movies like this. I would count this among them more interesting than oh, for sure, *Ant-Man* three. Let Idris Elba act a full character. Let Idris Elba act uh, a full can character. Can do it? I don't know. His monologue at the end of this movie is really good. Yeah, I don't think Idris Elba's bad. I think he has he has to keep the secret of the movie until the end of the thing, and so he just has to sit around and be like, mm. and Wait. in a vest, which is good, but like I saw him do that as Stringer Bell. So on Netflix right now is Concrete Cowboy, which is not a great mm. movie, and like I don't know that it's like super divergent from the Idris Elba playbook we're talking about here. He's like a gruff father figure or is he, I think he's the actual dad but he's like, uh, you know, helps people ride horses in inner city Philadelphia. Anyway if you're looking for an Idris Elba character that is more well-rounded than this, Concrete Cowboy <laughs> is on Netflix. That's more than just like and, walking in slow motion while bullets fly. But looking, fly. but also like filmed like he's like Clark Gable, you know, like he looks like the greatest movie star who ever lived. Um, anyway, Concrete Cowboy. It's How was bad. that movie with uh, him and Kate Winslet where they like crash at a plane and it's just the two? Dude, the, the movie is not that. That is, that uh, is a movie? solid C plus B minus movie. All right. It has a wonderful score. Um, it has a great dog who survives, as was uh, part of their marketing Spoilers. campaign at the time. No, I mean, they, they remember there were the tweets before the movie came out. There was like the, the little tweet video ad they cut together that was like, the dog survives. No, I don't remember. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, that is a solid movie. It has a great ending. You could do a lot worse than the, the uh, mountain between us. I just uh, remember, do they fuck on that mountain being the the animating question of the Toronto Film Festival? I believe they fuck. Actually, I think they do I, fuck on that mountain. No, I think they fuck in a cabin. A, they fuck in a cabin that is. On the mountain. And it's like lower on the mountain. It's not like they're they fuck on their the way down the mountain. On the top of the but mountain. But she's like yeah. on her way to go marry some other dude. Yeah, and, and she's, she's also like one of them. Maybe it's him is, is very physically unwell at the time but they make it work yeah i remember fucking in the cabin lower <laughs> on the mountain in the valley oh. of the jolly green giant wow uh idris help us also good in cats I'm just gonna say it. he's good in cats wow all right let's wrap this up mm. the harder <laughs> they fall on netflix now <laughs> oh a question for you dave yeah 
do Harry? All right, hang on. Jonathan Majors is Loki guy, and Harry Styles is guy. Mm-hmm. Do they connect? No. No. They gonna... Wait, really? No. One's They're in space, like... and the other one's in time. Okay. <laughs> Duh. Who, who couldn't Dumbass. figure that out? Stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Why wouldn't you want Keep to put the two the of them together? It doesn't make shit. I mean, they'll probably come together at some point, but for now. They look great in purple. Like, it just, it all adds up. What's Jonathan Majors' Loki guy name again? Kang the Conqueror. Kang the Conqueror. So they just are not, not the same. Not no. related. One is no. in time. <laughs> and the other's in space. <laughs> well, also, because he's in time, they could eventually meet, but they're not related right now in any sort of way. Okay, all right. I'll take that though. The the idea that I could look forward to Harry Styles and John they are both Majors in the Marvel it. Cinematic Universe. So in theory, yes, mm-hmm. yeah, and be. they are uh, both in theory charismatic supervillains. So sure. uh, yeah, yeah, we're ready. You can keep that in the show if you want to. <sighs> all right. That does it for this week's show. Uh, I won't be on next week's show, but you guys will to talk about Cowboy Bebop. I will. I so wanted you to, to, to hear you talk about Cowboy <laughs> I, I mean, it has it has been a while since we had a Katie Plays Warcraft uh, level uh, stunt <laughs> on the show, so maybe there's another opportunity coming up soon. Uh, like me trying to understand uh, space and time in the Marvel Cinematic yeah, which Universe. Which anime should Katie watch uh, in her downtime <sighs> when she's gone? From yeah, my Did she watch Jujutsu Kaisen? What about R O D the TV Read or Die about three sisters in Tokyo who can control paper with their minds? It's really fun. I mean, that sounds fun. Yeah. Uh, okay. Anyway, in the meantime, tell the tell the people who you are. I am Matt Patches, deputy editor of uh, Polygon.com. I'm on Twitter at Mr. Patches. We have a website, FightingInTheWarRoom.com, where you can uh, listen to old episodes that katie is on if you don't like episodes that katie's not on there's plenty <laughs> of old episodes that, that uh that katie is on um and uh, hopefully I, i'm gonna be forwarding katie the screener link i just got of sword art online the movie progressive aria of a starless night which i anticipate will be her next favorite anime film mm-hmm. so when she gets mm-hmm. back uh get forward to her look forward to her comments on it. uh i'm david ehrlich uh, what do I do? Um, I am the film critic at IndieWire. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at David Ehrlich. Are you can you find me on IndieWire this week. Critic? I am. Uh, and you can find me film criticing this week. My review of Paul Thomas Anderson's Licorice Pizza. Uh, and my review of Cowboy Bebop, if you want to get a preview of next week's shit show. Um, I, I volunteered to write about a television show, which almost never happens, but I love Cowboy Bebop, the anime, so dearly that months ago I threw my name in the my in the hat, or my hat in the ring, or whatever, for this show, and uh, it was a grave you mistake. Threw your name but in the hat, learn. and then you threw the hat in the I, ring. I did. I really wanted to make doubly sure. And then the ring came back at it. you. It smacked you in it the face. It said. Uh, Gryffindor. Um, I don't fucking know. Anyway, uh, you can find all of us together on iTunes. If fighting in the war room, leave us a review. Leave us. Read us. Blah, blah. If leave I don't watch Blue you. Deck in the next five minutes, my brain is going to bleed out of my ears. Uh, leave us a review of this show on fighting in the war room on iTunes. We will read it live on the show. If you don't, and I'm talking to you specifically right now, we will spend 10 minutes next week talking about Star Wars Galaxy of Heroes and there was a lot to catch up on you don't want to hear it Leave us Patches right. you're going to have to do a lot of eye rolling on my behalf because uh, if they you have, you have to stop I might get it. sucked in if we talk about Dash Rendar that's no problem <laughs> Dash Rendar he's back baby uh, my name is Dave Gonzalez you can follow me on Twitter at DA70 I have uh, nothing else to plug at the moment so I'll say Katie if you want to pick up an anime that oh. is really far out there uh, not far out there, but I remember when I watched it, I was like, I can't believe this was a show. Throw out some uh, Hitalia Axis Powers, which are five-minute shorts uh, where we take a look at the conflict of World War II, except the lead characters are teenagers called Germany, Germany, Italy, and Japan. 
and they are going to uh, high school with characters named America, wow. England, France, Russia, Canada, and China, and they get into some hijinks based very lightly on World War Two. Wow. Pity anime. Uh, yeah, anime is great. I'm just busy Googling photos of Harry Styles wearing purple and thinking about him and Kang the Conqueror uh, swapping outfits and or teaming up. And I just feel like more people need to be taking this That's possibility yours. seriously. That's my anime. I'll be learning how to draw so I can make that. Okay. Uh, I'm Katie Rich. You can find me at Vanity Fair and on the Little Gold Men podcast, where this week I talked to James Samuel, the director of The Harder They Fall. So learn more about the making of that movie. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Katie Rich at uh, K-A-T-E-Y-R-I-C-H. And we're all on Twitter at F-I-T-W-R, where you can, uh, you know, fantasy cast your Marvel villains and, uh, and their outfits that they will wear. Or you can answer this week's lightning round question, which was... In honor of Ghostbusters Afterlife, what cinema's most traumatizing goal? <laughs> Thank you for listening. And uh, some of us will be back talking to you next week. I'm done.